Hey, this is Michael Hutchinson, and you're listening to the Front Row Podcast. And welcome to episode 14 of the Front Row Broadcast. I'm your host, Don Ross. Tonight, tonight I have Stephen Burns as my co-host. Yep. Well, welcome to the broadcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes, uh, I send my condolences to the Kobe Bryant family and mm-hmm. all those panchers he had on the plane. Yeah, yeah, obviously a very, uh, very sad tragedy. And, uh, you know, not just for Kobe, but to his daughter and everyone else who, who was on the helicopter there. It's, uh, you know, I mean, I'm not a huge basketball fan. I was never a huge basketball fan growing up, but he was definitely a, a larger-than-life um, athlete, you know, transcended the game where it's like, I think you could ask anybody anywhere and they know who Kobe Bryant is, right? So Yeah, like, I'm not a big NBA guy. Like, I kind of follow it where I yeah. keep up with up-to-date stuff. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. But, yeah, for sure. That's, uh, for a lot of people who are, like, you know, very passionate basketball fans, I'm sure it's probably a pretty, pretty tough, pretty tough stretch for them right now, so... Yeah, I mean, you know, his daughter probably had her whole life ahead of her and, you know, probably a WNBA career because I know she had mentioned wanting to, to do that. So, you know, it's just sad all around. Just, uh, you know, just tough to tough to even imagine what that, what that would be like. Yes, that's very sad. Yeah. And uh, we're we having Jamie Thomas up next. Yeah, and talk some Jets. Some Jets, and we have... See Gold, and we talked about curling, and he how he got the name Tickman. Oh, interesting! Yeah, I can't wait to hear that. <laughs> and now we're going to talk to about the Winnipeg Jets due to scheduling conflicts. We can get Jamie Thomas. So, with your thoughts on Dustin Bufflin? Yeah, I think that's that's obviously the 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 news that's top of mind right now, and uh, um. I don't know. It just it it just sucks. Like I think just as a as a fan of the team since they've come back, you know. I mean, I think he's probably been, you know, our most exciting for sure, and maybe even our best overall player. Like he's just such a, you know, special talent, and um, you know, I mean, I I don't I don't feel totally comfortable laying blame at anyone's feet with uh, with not knowing so many of the facts, but. It just seems like it's uh, the, the the relationship kind of deteriorated between him and the Jets for various reasons, and uh, you know I just think it's really unfortunate because I think like as Jets fans we were truly I think we were pretty pretty I'll say blessed hashtag blessed to uh, to be able to watch Dustin Bufflin every night so it's it it, it sucks but um, you know whether he retires whether he moves on to another team it's just. You know, I think I think the best thing is just to move on. You know, he might play for someone else, and you know, I will have cap space to to do whatever with. So, you know, I wish him the best. I I have no ill will towards him. I know some fans are are calling for his head, but for me, it's like he's a good player, not miss the size. You know, on the blue line, you know, like a lot of t- players are intimidated by him, his size, and they don't want to. Like, yeah. His <laughs> ch- physicality, yeah. yeah, his physicality was. Was definitely something, and, and I mean the Jets' blue line this year in general is not as physical as it was last year, without him and Sherratt. So, yeah. Yes, I I'm going to miss him. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, I mean, you see how the Jets uh-huh. missed him this year. I mean, I don't think he is the sole reason why the Jets are are struggling, which we'll talk a bit about coming up. Um, you know, I don't I don't think it's fair to lay the blame at his feet and 
and say that it's his fault. I think there's a variety of reasons, but um, yeah, um, yeah, it just sucks. It sucks. Like he's originally there. I mean, you know, you think back to the first ever preseason shift where he just absolutely destroys two Columbus Blue Jackets and then yeah, was, fights another one. Yeah, I was there for that. You were at that game? Yeah. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, so like just stuff like that or him manhandling two, you know, Austin Watson and Roman Yossi and then doing the same thing to a couple of Vegas players in the second round. And, and uh, he <laughs> did a Breck wall to uh, Mark Stone there on the red yeah, line. Yeah, man, that... <laughs> I will never. He threw a lot of hits. That one on Mark Stone was probably the biggest one. Me and Briggsy were at that oh, game. Boy. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was pretty crazy. I guess. Did you have mixed feelings about that hit? Being a Sens fan, like the hit itself. Yeah, was it was clean. Clean is yeah. fine. It's yeah, like yeah, as, yeah. A, as a fan, I'm like, no. Yeah, <laughs> was like, yeah, you don't want to see one of your best players get <laughs> yeah. hurt, right? Yeah, no, that one. Uh, his hit on Luke Gazdick is one I'll always remember. And, when he went uh, one two on Tyson Berry and I think it was John Mitchell, and then he did the same thing to Kopitar and uh, Dowdy in one game too. So like just I mean he flipped over Mikel Grand like he did so many things that were just like unbelievable that like you, that like nobody else in the league does. He was pretty special for sure. And like his uh, goals celebration there that one game he's dancing by himself along the board. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> like it's yeah he's he's pretty special special player and. Uh, pretty special personality and i think i think jets fans are pretty lucky to have him for as long as they did for sure so but i'll miss him for sure yeah it's it's too bad it's it sucks it's uh it's never ideal when uh, when something ends that way you know i mean obviously it's like if he wanted to leave then a, a more amicable split would have been yeah. the, the preferred outcome but you know what i i think it's just time for people to move on i think if anyone I don't think anyone should have any ill will towards him or anything like that. Like, just move on and just let him go on with his career or whatever he's going to yeah. do next. And, you know, the Jets will figure figure their stuff out. Yes. Uh, well, we'll ho- we hope they do because I guess that segues pretty well into talking a bit about how the Jets are struggling a bit. Yeah, I don't know, sh- what are your thoughts lately? I mean, they had the two pretty good games back-to-back against um, the Blues and the Bruins. Bruins, and I, I, to be fair, I didn't watch the game last night. I know they lost in overtime, but I was I was busy with other engagements. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, I think overall, since you know, really since I mean, I was looking at some stats, and really since like the new year, last year, so like going into twenty nineteen, the Jets have really struggled. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah, what are your thoughts on the the current state of the Jets? That's the thing, like. Right now, if they finish outside the playoffs, they have a chance of moving up in the draft with the yeah. lottery net. Yeah. Where if they make the playoffs, they don't get that chance. So, like, okay, so I, I, I want them to make the playoffs at the same time I don't because they have the benefit of moving up in the draft. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> I, I just think you have to kind of look put the, put the whole season and the rest of the season and our roster, all the defensemen we lost, and yeah. just put everything into perspective at this point because – you know, even if we do go out, take this cap space, this $8 million or so in cap space we're saving from Bufflin, and say we acquire a good top four defenseman, I mean, there's not a ton of top pair defensemen we're going to get on the market, but, you know, I just, I, I think right now, I don't think it would be worth it to move one of our top six or seven forwards, who are all really good, to get that defenseman, because even if we get that defenseman, do the Jets win the Stanley Cup this year? Do they go on a run? I, I don't see them yeah. getting past St. Louis or 
you know, or Dallas or some stronger teams in the Central. Yes, I kind of think they should just wait until free agency. And... Wait, yeah, wait till free agency, um, you know. Or something may come along before then and pop them. And, yeah, yeah. So, something certainly may come up, but... You know, I, I don't, I don't, I definitely don't think they should go for a rental. I think that would be a huge mistake. Yeah, um, they did that last two but, years. And... Yeah, if you're going to acquire a defenseman this season, I think you acquire a defenseman with term. I'd have to look at the names that are actually out there. Like, I don't know who's really available on the trade market, but yeah, I think you acquire someone who you want to be part of your team for the next few years. You don't just get someone because oh, we need a defenseman. But no, I agree with you. Like, I think you just put the whole season into perspective and. You know, even with another defenseman, is this team good enough to win the Stanley Cup? I don't think so. So, you know, I think you can. I can't remember. Someone on Twitter, I can't remember who it was, said um, that the Jets don't need a rebuild. They just need to reload. And I think that's the best way to look at it. And, I mean, you kind of look at even a team like St. Louis. I think a couple of years ago they missed the playoffs. Is that right? I'd have to look. Yeah. But at one point they did miss the playoffs. And then soon enough, like two years later, they're Stanley Cup champs, right? So I think you can sort of retool and... You know, the Jets have some pretty good defense prospects coming up. I don't think a lot of them are going to be that big of an impact next year. But, you know, I mean, there's there's help on the way, yes. for sure. Yeah. But, yeah, it's it's unfortunate, though. But, yeah, I, uh, I looked it up the other day, and I guess this would not include... I can't remember if it included the last three games, but it was the Jets' record since last January was 48-44-7. and and then if you count the playoff series against the Blues, we'd be 50, 48, and 7. So, like, that's that's not very good. No. And so, and I mean, that's another thing with Bufflin is if people blame, but, like, the Jets have been struggling long before the whole Bufflin thing. So, um, yeah, no, it's, uh, I don't know, it's, it's, it's slightly concerning, but... Um, I guess, like, I'm curious what you would think. Like, what what do you think the Jets should do as far as trades go or anything like that? Like, do you think they should trade a forward for a defenseman? Do you think maybe should they should hey. just try and acquire some draft picks? If the deal's right, if it's, like, term and everything, yeah. if it's right for us, yes. Yeah. But if it's not right, yeah, don't, I, don't give up the, like, six or seven forwards. And, yeah, <laughs> I'd say you'd have, it'd have to be a pretty good defenseman for yeah. me to trade anybody from... Basically, from Blake Wheeler to Jack Roslovic, it would take a pretty good defenseman for me to trade any of those guys for sure. Yeah, like, it would take a actually it would take a star defenseman, really, honestly. Yes, yeah. As, uh, maybe for Roslovic, he's a little behind those other guys, but still, I would want a good defenseman in return if I'm trading Roslovic because he's a good player. Yes, and as, right now, like just wait until free and see. Yeah, I agree. And get him for. Whatever you don't yeah. have to give up. Don't anything. don't hit the panic button. For <laughs> yeah, sure. Not, I, that's the thing. If you're already in a playoff spot and like we're okay, we need a defenseman. Yeah, if the then, Jets if the Jets were leading the division, then yeah. getting a rental is is a bit different. Yeah, right? then it's a different conversation. Yeah, pull the trigger and like okay, we give up. Yeah, and this player and for him, right? Yeah, but right now, no. Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> Yeah, I'd say, um, like, for my money, I don't know how much Perot would get now cause just because of his injury. Like, that's, uh, what, two or three injuries this year. And, I mean, I think when he plays, he's a really effective player. And I think if you – I think he would be a good rental piece to trade. You, I think he has two years left, so he might have to eat some salary, but that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. But I don't know what he could fetch at this point just because he gets injured so much. Um, but, yeah, I'd say maybe you could find some suitors for him. Um, and then I'd say a guy like Lucas Spiza, 
I think has kind of upped his trade value because he's played pretty well for the Jets overall. Like he hasn't been perfect, but I'd say he, um, I'd say he's a guy that you could probably get a, a, a couple of draft picks for, or maybe maybe a prospect, but probably not. Um, and then maybe Dmitry Kulikov as well. He's in the last year of his deal, so you kind of just try to just stockpile as many draft picks as you can, especially considering this year's draft is pretty good. Like it's very it's deep. A lot of good players. They should trade up for a barber from Sam and Niku. Who? They should trade for a barber and give Niku a haircut. A little bit long hair, man. I understand. Niku's I... flow's got a flow, baby. <laughs> like, it's too long. <laughs> I don't know. I, I like it. I think it's his, uh, it's, it's his personality, right? That's, yeah. I don't know. If he He's decides to cut his hair, then, you know, fair enough. But, uh, yeah. Too much we'll uh... see. Yeah, and, and I think, too, like, if you look at, um, here, I'll, I'll pull it up. I'll see if I can find it. Like, because I'm interested to see where the jet, the Jets would actually draft right now. Because when I looked at it the other day, they would get the 13th overall pick. And um, based on a few different projections, uh, what was that website called? Draft Saints. Yes, I, there we go. Did you watch the All-Star game? I didn't, no. No? No, I, I find that. I find it kind of boring. I don't know. It's not really for me. Yeah. And, uh, All-Star game is kind of too gimmicky, I guess. I agree, yeah. Yeah. It's so. just, yeah, I mean, I, I think honestly, at the end of the day, it's for kids. Like, it's just, you know, the kids probably find it cool just seeing their their heroes or whatever in a in that kind of state. But I'm, I don't know, I'm at a point where I don't really, I don't see a lot of NHL players. It's like, oh my god, that's Mark Scheifele, or oh my god, that's whoever, Connor McDavid. Like, it'd be cool to see them, but I'm not like, you know, oh, I have to see Connor McDavid in the skills competition. Like, it yeah, just not really, not really for me. And that's the thing, like, Batman was talking about, like, he doesn't want to take a break from the NHL to go to the Olympics. Yeah. And some people are like, you taking, like, a few days off for, the, yeah. like, All-Star? So I was like... I think the Olympic break's quite a bit longer yeah. is the only thing, but... I mean, I would love for the NHL to go back to the Olympics, but I'd be pretty surprised. I don't think they're going to be in China. China's the next China, Olympics. Think, yeah, 2022. Yeah. yeah, Craig Button actually had his uh, his roster. We should do that for the next episode, like a roster we would take to the next Olympics mm-hmm. if we were taking an NHL player. Um, yeah, so I pulled it up here. Um, so if the Jets were to pick 13th, which is where they are now, they would, based on this mock draft, so this it might not be this player in particular, but um, it looks like Dawson Mercer is kind of the name that's popping up and I mean he's he's a good player he just played on Team Canada at the World Juniors um, I don't think he played much and I don't think he had any points but you know still you're obviously a pretty good player if you make that team yeah. and um, you know I mean for Drummondville he had 42 points in 26 games and he was traded to Shakutami traded to played pretty well there as well so you know, I mean, I think if, yeah, and again, it goes back to, you know, I don't think you rent to make the playoffs, because if you can get a pick in that top 15, hopefully top 10, top 5, you're going to get a really, really good player. Yeah, like some drafts are deeper than others, so yeah. like, there's at times some drafts are you can get a good player at a lower end, but yeah. at the same time, like, you probably want to be in that top 
15, 16 slot yeah. to get your... To really get a guy who yeah. will, like, you know, be a top six forward. I mean, you never know where guys will end up. Right now, would the Jets be looking for that D-man now? In the draft? Yeah, because... I with... Yeah, I, I, I feel like... I think Chevy's sort of philosophy has always kind of been you just take the best player available, like, no matter if you're stacked at right wing or not, or, like, shallow on D, you kind of just take the best guy available. But it's hard to say. I think it depends how high you are. Like, if they're top... I mean, obviously, if they get a if they get a top three pick, which, you know, they might if they win the lottery or if they, you know, do well in the lottery, they could move up. But it's kind of like, do you pass on the... On the... I guess for the Jets, it would be potentially passing on Quinton Byfield, Tim Stutzel, and Cole Perfetti to draft Jamie Drysdale or something like that. So it's like, do you draft based on need or do you draft, you know, it's like, okay, we have the second overall pick, you know, whoever's first takes Lafreniere, so it's like next, we take Byfield or whoever. Or whoever, yeah. Like, yeah, whoever's second. Like, it, it, it's a, it depends on what their philosophy is. And I think Chevy's always been kind of a best available sort of GM. So, but I, I mean, it's tough to say, you know. Um, yeah. Like each GM is different, right? Yeah, for so. sure. Yeah. If it were me, I'd probably, I think I would probably draft best available. But nice. I could see why you maybe, with a guy like Drysdale, too, who is expected to go. Like, I don't think you would, if you're picking second, you wouldn't pick a defenseman who's ranked like 12th or 13th if he's the first defenseman in the draft. Yeah. But if it's a guy that's also top five, it's a bit of a. A different conversation for sure, but yeah, I don't know. But uh, yeah, no, it's been it's been a tough year, and I think I think it's been a lot tougher for fans too because you know we got used to that success, right? Because for so long it's like, oh, the Jets are crappy, you know, they're not good, and then I was like, oh, okay, well, Mark Scheifele's coming along, all right, Blake Wheeler is rounding into form, you know, we got Connor, we got Lyonne, we got Ehlers, all these guys are starting to play really good, and then it was just, and then it just kind, of, it seems like it was almost like ripped away from us really quickly. And I think that's kind of the frustrating part is that, like, we, we got that very brief taste of success. Yeah. And, and then it just hasn't, it's just gone downhill since then. It doesn't mean it, they can't go back up, but it just, it's just unfortunate you know, as fans. But yeah. I mean, I'm going to keep cheering for the Jets. I'll go to the odd game here and there. And, you know, whether they're in the playoff race or not, I'm going to cheer when they score goals and be pissed off when they lose. But, yeah. I mean, I'll definitely chalk this year up as a tough one. And, just hope that they uh, they move forward in a good way. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, the Moose twenty season coming. The Moose, up. Yeah. yeah, yeah, a tough year for them too. I mean, with the guys injured, the Jets have had a lot of injuries, so they've plucked a lot of players from the Moose, and yeah, it's tough to tough to get going in the AHL when uh, when most of your best players are being picked picked up night after night uh, because the parent club has injuries. Yeah, and then they come back and then the like, up yeah. and down, right? Yeah. And it's hard on Yeah. That. Remember this is the 20th season for the Moose. What, what, like, thinking back, like, this version of the Moose and the previous version, What do you have, like, a favorite memory? Like, that's the thing, like, with the previous Moose, I was called to the all game here and there. But now it's like, since they came back, I've been going to almost every game. Almost. Yeah, yeah, you were a season ticket holder for, yeah. like, since they came back, basically, yeah. until this year, right? Yeah, my, my, until last my, year? Yeah, my brother and my sister have the tickets. Oh, they took yeah. over your tickets. Okay, yeah, I see. so I was like, 
they saw that uh, Jimmy Roy's banner uh, numbers yeah. again raised yeah, yeah. on Friday. And, Jimmy, you're and, beauty. And they're, they're bringing back the 96-97 jersey, but in the current... Like the co- blue, yeah, I love that jersey. Like it's like the ninety six ninety seven yeah theme, but in the current but in like the blue yeah the blue yeah, yeah. And, and the so I was like colors yeah should bring those back like that should just be their jerseys I don't think they have to have the exact same jerseys as the Jets yeah like if they had that style that'd be sick but with the new Moose logo like we're looking at it right now the yeah. angry Moose I love yeah. that logo I like it too I, I don't like that cartoon it's a little it's 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 a little tacky yeah now I guess but like that angry Moose logo is sick I love that. Yeah. So I think if they had the Angry Moose logo with the jerseys that they're going to wear uh, for their uh, throwback night or whatever, yeah. that'd be sick. Yeah, so that's nice. I like the 20-year patch. Yes, yeah, it's pretty sweet. It is nice. Yeah, they took a little hiatus, and uh, you know they were the ice caps for a bit. For four years, yeah. And by the way, if anyone ever wants an ice caps jersey, you go to any Jets store in the city, and they're always on the 50% off track. <laughs> I kind of want to get one. I keep thinking about it. I'm like, you know what? It'd be kind of cool to have an ice caps jersey. Like, there's probably not a lot of people who have them. So, yeah, I don't know. And then there's the odd moose jersey every now and then, too. We'll yeah. see. Yeah, I don't know. I'd, I'd have to say, obviously, like, when they went to the Calder Cup against... Uh, Hershey? Against Hershey. That was pretty sick. Um, you know, I, was, I mean, I, I actually wasn't at uh, Game 7, Game 6, when they lost. Because I was a Red Wings fan back then, and they were playing the Penguins in Game 7. They actually lost that game. Because um, they were in the game seven of the Stanley Cup, so I stayed home. Um, but I was at game five when Jaffrey scored the hat trick and extended the series, so that was pretty cool. And it's sad. Did you know um, Hershey wasn't wasn't named after Hershey Bar? It wasn't named after the city. The city was named after the bar. Oh really? Yeah. So they like did they like set up a factory there and then they're kind of like, well, we should just call it Hershey. Yeah, they just in this building. Interesting. It's, I was like, oh, okay. I've heard of, like, very small towns being named after companies, but never, like, a big company. Like and it was kind of like... Maybe it was a small town they needed a name or something. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe people built around it, and they're like, hey, yeah. you know what? Hershey sounds okay. Yeah, it's kind of like a little Timbit town. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of cool. Like, oh, great. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And then, I, and then I'd say my favorite moose memory that I didn't actually see, and I've told you this story before, was when I was younger... I uh, I thought they flooded between regulation and the third period of and the and the five minute overtime. I thought they flooded, so you know the the game went to overtime. This was the year they went to the Calder Cup, actually, and they so the game went to overtime. And I got up, I'm like, oh yeah, I got some time to go take a piss and you know just kind of have fun have fun with that, you know. And so I'm walking and I go in. And I'm, and I'm kind of like, what sounds like they're playing? What the heck is going on? And then all of a sudden, I hear the goal horn go off, and everyone's going crazy. And just, yeah, so yeah, for anyone who thinks that they flood between regulation and overtime, not, I think I'm the only person. But just in case there's another one out there, um, um, don't do it. Only in playoffs. Hold it. Yeah, in playoffs you can do it, but hold <laughs> it. Just hold it and uh, and watch Guillaume Debian score the overtime goal because I missed it and then I, my uncle was just laughing his head off like he's, he was kind of like you know he's like you know I saw you get up and I was kind of like where the hell is he going like why is he why is he getting up in the break when, before overtime starts and yeah so learned a lesson that day but yeah no, lots of good memories to move. So obviously going back to Winnipeg Arena too and 
So uh, yeah, pretty pretty awesome to see them celebrate uh, twenty years for sure. Yeah, well, I got one of my pucks here. I got is from the Winnipeg Arena and that moves there. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. I actually got hit in the head with a puck at Winnipeg Arena yeah. when I was young, and I was I think I was only like four or five years old. I can't remember. I think it was Justin Kurtz. I don't know if that name rings a bell, but I his shot. It was before the netting, I think. And so I was kind of like sitting a bit closer for warm up, and the puck just went off the crossbar, hit me right in the head, and uh, yeah. So that was fun. Yeah, good times. Yeah, yeah, no, hopefully, I mean, yeah, as far as the Jets go, you know, I think, I think for Chevy, I think as a GM, you have to know when to, I think it's good to know when you can make a run, and it's good to know when you might have to take a step back, and I think that that's what the Jets need to do, just take a slight step back and say, you know what, this is a tough year, let's just retool, add a couple pieces, you know, hopefully get some free agents here, and then go from there, sort of thing, so. It should be good. It'll be fun to watch the rest of the season. I don't know. I personally wish the Jets would just try to start out scoring teams because that's that's our strength is our offense. But yeah. I don't know. Paul Maurice is a, more of a stingy coach. He likes to kind of grind it out. So yeah, we'll see. Yes. We'll see what happens. Yes. Oh. Well. All um, right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's get into the next interview. Sounds good. I'm here with Steve's girl, the former curler, who won two World Championships, three Briars. Um, welcome to the broadcast, Steve. Well, thank you very much for having me. Um, how did you get started in curling? Um, my brother uh, was curling with Hugh McFadden, John Mead, and John Lang in uh, 1987. And uh, they won the Canadian uh, uh, Championships in Juniors, and um, they actually won in 1986, and then they went to the World Championships in 87. I was playing hockey at the time. I was a little guy that was uh, getting knocked around, and uh, my brother was going on all these cool trips, and my dad curled at the rink and was part of the junior program, and hung up the hockey skates and decided to take up some curling. All right. You uh, curled with uh, Jeff Stone, yes, and uh, you won. Yes. And uh, you won your first championship. How did that feel? Well, it was pretty amazing. I mean, that was uh, my first year ever playing lead, and uh, my first year playing with Jeff and Gary and uh, Kenny Tresser. They had been to a Briar together in 1991. So um, you know, it was, it was while we're going through it, it was. Uh, you know, you win and then you got 10 days off and then you, you know, you first you win the province, you got 10 days off and then you fortunate enough to beat Kevin Martin three times in a week and uh, win the Briar. And then you only have 10 days off, then you go to the World Championships. So uh, it happens really quick and then at the end of it, you go, wow, that was quite the run. And uh, you realize as you play longer and longer in your career that it's uh, hard, hard to do what we accomplished. So uh, I definitely cherish that, uh, that time spent with those three guys. Uh, so how did you get the nickname Tickman? <laughs> well, the Tick shot uh, removed the, the front guard, obviously. And um, we were always trying to throw the season into the rock, into the rock, into the rock. And we were playing at the Charles Recruiting Club on a Wednesday night uh, men's league. Jeff was playing lead, and uh, I was actually skipping. And he said, hey, let's try it across the face. And uh, Jeff made it, so we did it the that, uh, that way the rest of the season and um, 
fortunate enough to make a number of them in a row, and then the World Championships, I made uh, quite a few in a row. And uh, you know how the media is—they jumped all over that. They uh, gave me the nickname Tick Man, and it kind of stuck with me. Okay, has that, are you still involved in curling? Yeah, I'm working with our Canada Curling right now, um, uh, helping some of the next gen teams. Uh, worked with Tanner Horgan this year. Worked with Gary Anderson. Um, Matt Dunstone a little bit. Um, I went to a camp in uh, Guelph, Ontario in the end of August. And there was a lot of up-and-comers that we're probably going to hear about on TV in the future. And uh, uh, Yeah, so I, I do a bit of coaching. Uh, I love the game. I never miss a game on TV. I PVR everything. And, I, you know, I Continental Cup starting this week. And I'm going to make sure I watch some of that. What's your uh, best memorable moment in curling? most memorable moment yeah oh boy <laughs> probably uh, I can't pinpoint one but uh, if you probably have... the losses I've had I, I lost to go to the Briar in 2001 with Dale Dugan lost to go to the Briar against Brent Scales uh, lost to in uh, the Briar final to Kevin Martin in 2009 uh, lost the Olympic trial final at the Brad Gush in 05, so I know that's not what you're wanting. You're probably wanting some wonderful uh, uh, win that we had, but um, if I was to pick one, it would probably be in 1996. Uh, we had to beat Dale Duga twice on the Sunday morning in Brandon, and, uh, you know, to, to, to put the first Buffalo on ever. Uh, that was quite a thrill. So, if I was to pick one as being the most memorable, it was probably uh, provincial championship that leapfrogged my career. Yeah, and here's uh, uh, what's the best trip you went on, like like overseas or Canada, North America, or wherever. The best trip. Oh, the, the the beautiful thing is we were very lucky. We even we played in Ports of Prairie. The volunteers were always great. We played in Burns, Switzerland. It was cool. But um, probably one of the most memorable trips we ever had as a team was we, we went over to play at eight ends of curling and played a skins game in 1997 against a team we'd beat in the world final in 96. Um, they treated us superbly. They took us uh, golfing at St. Andrews. Um, we got to do a little, little bit of sightseeing. So um, very fortunate, you know, played in Kelowna in the fall, always played in uh, Jasper on Christmas time. Halifax always treated us well. So, you know, I just had a lot of fun. I was very fortunate to play with uh, great teammates that were uh, not only great on the ice, but they were great off the ice. So I was very fortunate for that. As, uh, what has changed from in curling from you started till now? Well, probably the fitness level. I mean, um, Garrett Vandenberg and myself, we were probably the first two guys to work out on tour years ago. And um, if you look now, the, the teams, uh, they could probably make a better living at it now than we did. Obviously, um, sponsorship, uh, TV exposure, whatnot. So you see a lot of these guys that are doing it full-time. And uh, quite honestly, Donald, is uh, I, I now that I'm not playing... I can't honestly imagine the amount of time and effort these guys are putting into the game. Uh, so I, I think probably the fitness levels probably changed the most. Okay, and um, 
Okay, and uh, how many times have you emphasized Canada at the Worlds? Um, three times. So I was very lucky, 96, 99, 2011. Okay, then, uh, okay. Uh, thanks for coming on, Steve, and have a nice day. Yeah, I appreciate the call, and uh, I look forward to uh, listening to all your podcasts. Okay, thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. And once again, thank you to Steve Gould for coming on. That was a nice interview you Good did. interview. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, what do you th- think about the signing of uh, Curls to the yeah, Bombers? going to the Bombers. For um, two years. I think it's a good signing. Um, you know, I think at the end of the day, um, and I mean, I have a pretty limited, you know, knowledge of how to judge football, but I'd say at the end of the day, I think it's the right call by the Bombers. I mean, obviously, Matt Nichols... You know, like he gave his heart and soul and his body at times to the to the bombers and to their fans. So, you know what, you you gotta thank him and you gotta, um, you know, you gotta give him his props for sure and just wish him well in the future. But in my mind, I think Zach Caleros is. Uh, I think it, when healthy, when they're both healthy, I think Zach Caleros is the better quarterback. And um, you know, I think we have a much better chance at uh, at repeating with him at the helm. Um, as opposed to Nichols. I mean, and I think a lot of that will probably depend on where what Strevler ends up doing as well, because he, you know, his running game is obviously very important to it. Yeah, and it's, uh, there's uh, things out there, tweets, saying he might go to Ottawa and be with Paul Moore. Uh, That's what I'm thinking. I mean, and... it, it, it seems to just make sense. Like, it, you know, I mean, they need a quarterback – the offensive coordinator from the Bombers just went out there to, to be the head coach. So um, I think it would make sense for them to reunite in Ottawa. And then uh, Buck Pierce is going to be the offensive coordinator, I've yeah. seen. Yeah, I uh, think that's going to be good. Uh, he's obviously had a lot of time to learn under uh, under uh, Paul Paul Lapolice. And, uh, you know, I think he'll be able to put his, his past as a, a professional quarterback to use there as well. Yeah, and then... Uh, an Atlantic team is coming in a couple of years, or I I think so. Yeah, like the Atlantic Schooners or something like yeah. that. They're gonna be called. I know they're doing. I think the Riders and Argonauts, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they're playing that. a game in Atlantic Canada next yeah. year, so that'll be pretty cool. I think it'll be nice to have balance to the league, and then you know, and it'll just be nice to have all the provinces. You know, it'll be quite literally coast to coast, which is pretty cool. So. Yeah, yeah. I think it's about time that uh, that they they got a team over there. It's uh, there's always the saying in hockey is he's going to coast to coast. Yeah, <laughs> we can say that about the CFL. Chat, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's um, yeah, I don't know, um, yeah. I mean, I'll miss Matt Nichols, and you got to give him his credit, but yeah. at the end of the day, I think uh, I think Calaros is the better quarterback, so that's probably the way to go. But the uh, the Bombers are having a pretty interesting off season so far with. Um, you know, losing a couple guys to the NFL. Um, I haven't really heard about what's what Willie Jefferson's situation is, but I know he was going to the NFL, um, or he was going to try out for some teams. Is I know Marcus, Marcus Sales. Yeah, I think it might have been Miami. Yeah, I mean, I know Dolphins, Marcus yeah. Sales uh, had signed with the Vikings, I want to say. Um, so, yeah. Um, you know, I think, the, I think the Bombers have a good chance to repeat. You know, they're bringing back their defense. Um, and, uh, you know, with Andrew Harris and, uh, you know, now with Zach Caleros at the, at the, 
at the pivot position. Hopefully he'll uh, he'll stay healthy and we can repeat. Yes, uh, and win ten Grey Cups in a row. You to see make where, up for all the years. Yes. Yeah. Uh, do you see where Harris had the WWE belt with the custom belt uh, side plates with the bomber logo? I think so. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, so yeah. They pretty much they do for any league. Yeah. And they just give them one with custom plates. And, okay, that's cool. And, uh, Did they do that for like Monday Night Raw or when it was here? Or has that even been here yet? Uh, not yet. It's uh, February 24th. Okay. Awesome. So... Uh, I've seen a picture with Harris with the, yeah, the belt. Maybe so. he'll make an appearance. Yeah, that's so I kind of, kind of hope. I was kind of hoping to get side place like that and put on mine, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you have a belt here? Oh, yeah, yeah. there it is right there. <laughs> yeah. I'm so, looking at it. And, uh, oh, yeah, I can, I was like, oh, man, like, it's like, my brother says, like, oh, the only custom that probably just made one set, so. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, it'd be neat to have. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. Yeah. No, yeah. Well, I think it's going to be a, a, a pretty interesting CFL season coming up with a few guys changing teams. And, uh, yeah, aside from that, I don't know. I haven't heard much from, from else from the Bombers. I've heard rumors that Solomon Elamimian might be considering reuniting with Adam Big Hill here in Winnipeg, but I don't know how true that is. I just kind of saw a rumor online, so you can't really trust yeah. those. I saw... Coaching at my start other like one month ago. It's a good guy, Mike Mike O'Shea. Oh yeah, good guy. Came yeah, through my line. Yeah. Oh, he came through your line. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, great guy. Like after the great cup. Yeah. Oh. I congratulated him yeah. on the win and. Nice. That's a cool story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, what what's your favorite uh, movies? NBA movies, basketball movies. Yeah, I guess in honor of Kobe, yeah. we'll kind of talk a bit about our favorite basketball movies. Um, I don't know. There's there's a lot of good basketball movies. I was looking up. Um, you know, I think there's a few. Um, there's a couple that are just like old family favorites that everyone likes. Obviously, Space Jam with Michael Jordan. Jordan. Um, you know, I think the one with LeBron James coming up will probably be pretty good too. But obviously, the the original one, like that's. You know, not even just a basketball movie. I feel like that's as close to just, like, a true classic and, like, just a universally loved movie that you can get. Because, like, it's, like, who who doesn't like Space Jam? It's, yeah. It's fun. It's, yeah, it's, it's awesome. So that's a great one. Um, Air Bud, you know, pretty good as well. Yeah. Um, obviously, the, they went a little off the rails with the dog playing baseball and volleyball and... Yeah. surfing or whatever at some point so but the, the original air bud uh the basketball one was probably the best one for sure so i'd say those are two like really family favorites um yeah i don't know do you have any uh yes yeah. classic Just the classics yeah yeah, yeah. semi-pro 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 is a good one yeah will ferrell and I think that's like one of Will Ferrell's most underrated comedies, yeah. in my opinion. I think that's. Yeah. Pretty is that your favorite movie. basketball team, the Flint Tropics? Flint Tropics. Yeah. Uh-huh. If I was gonna buy a basketball jersey, it would probably be a Flint yeah. Tropics jersey, for sure. Don't drink the water right now. No, don't do that. No, no, no. They can't. No. No, they don't have clean water there. They're sad. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then two other ones that are a little more uh, serious would be Coach Carter and Glory Road. Are both pretty good. Sam Jackson's and Coach Carter, uh, and I think Channing Tatum's in that actually too. But very early into his career, um, and then Glory Road's kind of a neat story as well. I think it talks about um, I'll say the University of Texas in El Paso is what it's called, 
or like East Texas or something like that, but they were the first team in the NCAA to have uh, all, to have their starting five was all black players. And it just kind of, you know, documents like the struggle that those players went through and just the program in general. But it's, it's a good story. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's a very worthy story to tell, in my opinion. But yeah, I'd say those are, uh, I mean, there's some older ones like White Men Can't Jump. It's pretty good. A few others, but I'd say those are probably my favorites as far as basketball movies go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's all good movies, you know. Yeah, all, all most sports movies are really good. Yeah, yeah. Every now and then you get a crappy one, but like Air Bud Five, Air Buddies. Was that a movie? Uh, Where he has like puppies and they're all good at playing sports or something. Yeah, so I kind of lost track. So yeah, How about the Air Bud movies. <laughs> so after baseball, it was uh, yeah that was game over for me. Was, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't going to do that. I like Angel, Angels in the Outfield. That's yeah, yeah if we're talking baseball movies, yeah. that's a really good one. Yeah. Yeah. Angels in the Outfield's fantastic. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, yeah. Hey, man. Thanks for having me on again. I really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. No worries. Drive safely. Drive safe. <laughs>